Good morning. Several of you have uh, asked me if it's Ugly Sweater Day. That is not, a, not appreciated at all. Uh, God answers prayers. The Bears are playing the Packers today, and so just looking for a little extra holiness towards them. So um, Amy Hansen's the only one that said, hey, I like your sweater. So she gets an extra hug today. Um, so uh, really glad you're here. We're having some technical difficulties, so just uh, thanks for hanging in there uh, with us. Uh, I sense um, uh, either a tiredness, a lull, something uh, going on uh, today. And so let's just pause for a moment. Let's get our hearts right. Uh, often we are all guilty of rushing into a Sunday and then rushing out and we miss it. And I, you don't want to miss this. So let's pray. God, we need you to tune our hearts to be attentive to you this morning. We need you to help us to uh, bring all of our stuff into this room and yet put it in a compartment to hear directly from you in your perspective. What we do here when we open the scriptures, when we hear from you, it's life-changing. And there is nothing else on this planet that's more important than this moment. And so I pray that you would help us to be present right here and right now. And that you would roam this room and speak to us very, very personally. Our great God and King, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm curious, how many of you have something in your life that you wish were different? Just think about it for a moment. Some of you are like, I don't even have to think. Uh, all right, so I'll ask you again. How many of you have something in your life right now that you wish were different? Raise your hands. Yeah, look, keep them up for a second. Look around the room. Uh, the reason why we keep them up and look around the room is you're not alone right? There are things that are going on. For a lot of people, this is the best time of the year. For, uh, for a lot of people, this is a, a very difficult time of the year. It's a heavy time of the year. Some of you have got uh, health issues, or what could be even worse is uh, people around you have been diagnosed with health issues. Sometimes it's harder to be the one observing than to the, be the one that receives it. During this time of year, life can be crazy. Uh, students have finals coming up, not to remind you of that. Uh, there's a craziness that comes with it. There's a craziness of trying to make sure the house is right. There's a craziness of making sure homework assignments are, are being turned in and, and office parties with people you'd rather not really spend time with, but you've got to go to the office party. There's the, all of these craziness. I've got to get everything done. I've got to get presents. I've got to get them wrapped. I've got to get them under the tree. I've got to make sure the wrapping is decent. Any of you stress on how the presents look when you wrap them? Just put them in a paper bag and put them under the tree. 
Or don't even wrap them, just put them under the tree. Don't stress about the wrapping paper. We got to get the house cleaned up. We got to get the decorations done. We got to get all the meals made. Uh, we've got to get to grandma's house, and, and then we've got to obey at grandma's house. We've we got to act appropriately. We've got to do the right things. And instead of it being a peaceful time for many people, it's full of anxiety. It's full of stress. It's full of a weightiness. I know financially a lot of people are stressed out. Uh, they're all shopping. Uh, people that are stressed about how am I going to pay bills, they're the ones out in the stores buying and buying and buying. Some of you, you've got family issues. You go see your family and it's supposed to be this warm and, and fuzzy Merry Christmas and it looks more like Jerry Springer. Like you just, you go, man, why are we so unhealthy? Why are, why do we have issues? I don't even like to be with my family. When can this get over with? My family's weird. They have issues. Uh, they've treated me poorly. We've got all this baggage and yet it's supposed to be Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays and, and warm fuzzies. It can be challenging. So where is this peace? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, if you have your Bibles, please open them to that passage. It's a prophetic verse given some 700 years before Christ. Think about that. 700 years before Jesus is born. And, and Isaiah tells us four specific names given to this Jesus. We looked at the first one last week. Today, because the kids are singing, we're jumping to the last one, looking at the Prince of Peace. And here's what Scripture says. And if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word, we'd appreciate it. Here's what it says. Isaiah chapter 9, starting at verse 6. For us, a child is born. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, help me with this, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, and I hope during this time together that you experience that peace because the enemy doesn't want you to. You may be seated. I know as a kid, we would go to Christmas Eve service at my grandparents' church uh, at Third Presbyterian Church in Springfield, Illinois. My grandpa was, um, he was an elder, he was a deacon, he was the plumber, he was the, the furnace guy, he was the roofer, he was the John McGovern of, of Third Presbyterian Church, and I would always tag along, I was the kid, and, and he would always work during the week and on Saturday, and I had the run of the place along with my sisters, and, and so we were literally little church rats uh, running around the church, we felt like we owned the place. Uh, and so Third Presbyterian Church became something very special for me. And, and during Christmas Eve services at this church, I would feel God's peace. I would, I'd, I would feel uh, a spiritual peace, if you would. There, there was something about the Christmas Eve service that affected me deeply, even though I was a rambunctious, crazy, get-in-trouble-a-lot kid. There was something about the Christmas Eve service. We'd, we'd sing all the well-known Christmas carols, and, and we'd hear uh, the message of the baby Jesus. And, and I had, it was one of those where, like, 
It's in southern Illinois. Everybody's kind of related to each other, which is super awkward uh, because they really shouldn't be related to each other. And, and I would have aunts and uncles and cousins in the choir, and, and it, just, it was just interesting. And we'd lift up candles in the air to sing Silent Night at the end of the service, and me and my cousins would sit in the very back row because that's, that was the west row. That's where my grandparents were there for 150 years, and so we would sit there and we'd make pretzels out of the candles. If you, if you hold them with your sweat and your heat in your hands, you could bend them into like pretzel figures and different figurines, and then we'd light them and hold them up, and, and we would do this, and, but there was something settling about that. There was something settling about the Christmas Eve moment. There was something spiritual, peaceful that I vividly remember, but I often wondered And maybe it was because of how I lived my life, but I often wondered, where was this Jesus, this Prince of Peace, during my normal everyday life? This this peace, this this Jesus, this love, and even what I experienced, this spiritual peace, where was this every day? Maybe you've wondered that same thing. Put your thumb in Isaiah and turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It's a very well-known, very important passage of Scripture dealing with Christmas. This was an angel of the Lord speaking to the shepherds in the field, and this is what the angel of the Lord said. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. Today in the town of... David, uh, what? A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, say it with me, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. But when I think about the birth of Jesus, I think it's anything but peace. Look with me, if you would, uh, at how Jesus even came on the scene. First, there's a little teenage girl named Mary, and she finds out that she's pregnant. She doesn't find out she's pregnant from an OB. She finds out from an angel. I don't know how many of you would feel peace if an angel appeared to you tonight and said, you're pregnant you might not describe it as peaceful. And not only that, she's pregnant by God. That's a hard conversation at Thanksgiving. Hey, I'm pregnant by God. Oh, good. That's, congratulations. That's great for you. Very, very good. Now, how did that happen? It doesn't start with peace. And then you travel with her on her journey. She's nine months pregnant, and her husband decides we are going to go travel several, several miles on a donkey. Women, any of you think that's peaceful? (laughs) Men are like, I don't see the problem. (laughs) Women, nine months on a donkey, nothing peaceful about that. Pregnant donkey. 
And then you get to, t- t- to the town, there's no room for you, which means your husband didn't plan accordingly. <laughs> and now he's like, I don't know what we should do. Is that peaceful to a mom? To, to, to someone who's nine months pregnant? Does that sound peaceful at all? So then you're, it's, it's, it's suggested that you have your baby in a barn with hay and poop. Does that sound peaceful at all? No epidural. Let me help some of you men. This is simple high school mathematics. No epidural plus baby equals no peace. That's simple math. And Jesus is born. This Prince of Peace enters the planet Earth in anything far from peaceful. I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about your family. I want you to think about your marriage over the past several years. Has it been peaceful? I want you to think about your job, your finances, your relationships, your friendships. Has it been peaceful? Fast forward to today from this biblical story, and we see so many people who don't have peace. Christ followers, Jesus followers who are, who are stressed out all the time. No peace, just anxiety, tension, financially, relationally. Turn on the news. We had another one this week. Oh, another one, another shooting. Turn on the news, people are bickering, people are arguing, people are calling names, people are saying, well, I'm a Republican, and they go, well, I hate you, you can't be my friend now. Oh, I'm a Democrat, well, I hate you, you can't be my friend now. I'm an independent, what you'd think is peaceful. Nope, you got to pick a side. It's just everywhere we look, there's no peace. And so I have asked myself, and I wonder if you have ever asked this same question, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, did he fail? Did Jesus fail in being the Prince of Peace? Now, before you accuse me of heresy and start putting emails together, it depends on how you define peace. Because if we define peace on a worldly sense, Jesus failed. If we look at peace from a different angle, if we look at peace of of something that's not of this world, if we look at peace of something that's outside of this world, Jesus absolutely accomplished everything that his name suggests. Among many of the other names, Jesus was called Prince of Peace. If you want to take notes, this will be important. In Hebrew, it's the Sar Shalom. The Sar Shalom. Sar, it means the one who's in charge. It means the captain, the lord, the chief, the general. The Romans used this word Tsar, and it became Tsar, C-Z-A-R. Then it became Caesar, like Julius Caesar. It was the one who was in charge. Jesus is the captain. He's the chief. He's the Lord. He's the Tsar of Shalom. And what does Shalom mean? Shalom is actually uh, what was used as a greeting that we say, 
hey, how you doing? Or, hey, how was your week? This was shalom. It was a greeting that a person would give to another. It means rest. It means tranquility. It, it means uh, wholeness. It means completeness. Jesus is the Sar shalom. And as long as we are under Jesus, we experience that. But in everyday life, we Christians, but also unbelievers, we don't want to be under Jesus. Why? Because if we're under him, we have to submit to him. But that's the only place that we find peace. Growing up in Illinois, we had tornado drills all the time. And the way, it, you know, they would set off the siren and... Uh, that was the day and age where you didn't have active shooter training. It was just if a twister came along. And, and they would say, get under the desks, and that's where you're safe. And so the siren would, would go off, and, and we would literally crouch down. Good grief, this is a long way down. And we would, we would get under the desk. Now, I don't know why this means you're safe <laughs> if a tornado hits. Because you and I have both seen Oklahoma and Nebraska after tornadoes, and I don't see too many desks that are in perfect condition, but somehow the teachers thought this is perfect. The idea was that if something falls from the ceiling like a foam ceiling tile, you were protected. But it actually statistically has saved countless lives if you're under the protection there's peace in the midst of a storm but what we want to do is we want to be out in the open we want to think the way we want to think. We want to make our own judgment calls. We want to dictate our own morality. We want to define what is truth. We want to dictate our own ethics. We want to decide how the world was and is and ought to be. And we want to be out here and free. We're free thinkers. I have an opinion. And it's anything but peaceful over here. The Bible says... If we stay under the lordship of Jesus, there's peace. And yes, it can be awkward. Yes, it can be difficult. But there's peace if we're under this our shalom. That doesn't mean that we can do anything that we want to have peace. Can a, can a guy... Uh, who's with a girl, go and have an affair and then show up on Sunday morning and have absolute peace? Of course not. Why? Because he is living an action that's completely outside of the lordship of Jesus. Can a husband and wife decide that they're going to take the life of their unborn baby because it's an inconvenient time to raise a family and then show up on Sunday morning, sit in one of these seats and have absolute peace? No. Why? Because you're living and doing something outside of, away from the Sar Shalom. You're leaving from under the protection of peace on an individual. 
can a person go and, and charge up credit cards significantly more than the money that they take in and go into significant debt and then come and sit and have just absolute peace? No. Why? Because it's outside of the Sar Shalom. And it's only when we are under the lordship of Jesus, the one who is in charge, that we experience his peace. Notice the situation doesn't change, but we experience his peace. The amazing thing is that when we are under the lordship, when we are underneath the protection of Jesus, we receive a peace that most people don't understand. It's why when you receive news of a, of a difficult medical situation that there's a peace that can come over you when there shouldn't be. When there's a sudden death in the family and yes, you're heartbroken, but there's a peace. When there's a difficulty in, in marriage and you go, okay, we're having this difficulty, but for some reason I just have a peace. When your world is falling apart, Jesus can give you that inward peace that's beyond human understanding. And not only can he, he wants to. He wants to give you this peace. He's the Lord of peace. He's the Prince of peace. But when you step outside of his will and his ways, you may not experience that peace. Well, does that mean I've, I've lost my salvation? Does that mean God doesn't love me? Does that mean I'm not saved? No. What we're talking about is living in the midst of that peace. It's why with teenagers, we talk so much about decisions, because if you step outside of that, you will not experience his peace. It's not possible. So what does this mean in our everyday life? If you're taking notes, write this down. First of all, Jesus is the peace who comforts you. Jesus is the peace who comforts you. And some of you right now, you've got some things going on in life. Your, your life's kind of going cattywampus and, and you're like, what in the world is going on? This is not good. There's no inward spiritual peace. Understand that Jesus wants to bring you comfort. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Notice it's not your peace. It's not my peace. It's not the person sitting next to you. It's not their peace. It's his peace that Jesus gives to you. He said, I don't give to you as the world does. And then he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. It's the peace of the one who is in charge of the shalom. He gives his peace. He gives his hope. And for some of you, that are here today or you're watching online, you're grasping for hope and peace somewhere, somehow, someplace. Some of you might say, well, what if I don't have Jesus' peace? 
Maybe you're a believer in Jesus, but you're trying to do it yourself. You're trying your hardest to, to do everything on your own strength. You're trying to have the energy for it. You're trying to figure out. You're trying to solve it on your own. You're trying to sit down with a piece of paper and, and come up with some solutions. And you're trying to cope with life outside of the Sar Shalom, outside of the Prince of Peace. So what do we do? Scripture is very clear, actually. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, again, as it happens every week. If you come and join us for morning prayer here at 915, this is a verse that Alicia had that God put on her heart that she didn't know about. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present a request to God. And then, say it with me, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Some of, some of you don't have peace right now because you've not guarded your heart and mind. You've not actively guarded it. You've not intentionally put that into practice, and you don't have peace. That can change today. The great thing about Jesus, it's not like working out. If you haven't worked out in several years, your first handful of months are going to be brutal. Jesus doesn't work that way. With Jesus, you can start today and have that peace. So what do we do when we're outside trying to cope on our own and we don't have that peace? We simply step under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We get back underneath that protection. And then we bring our requests and present to him and say, I can't do this. I don't have the strength. I don't have the answers. I don't have the endurance. I can't do this anymore. I trust you with it because you are in charge. I want your peace. Some of you, you may not know just how good he is until you know just how hard life can be. This, this is why we, we look at teenagers and go, man, there's so much more of life for you to experience. Not to look down on those who are young, but you really don't know what you have in Jesus until you know the hardship of life. until you can look at yourself in the mirror and go, man, I would have given up on me a long time ago, but Jesus hasn't. You need some years to experience your own sin, your own heartache, your own bad decisions, your brilliant ideas at night that are absolutely a debacle in the morning. But when we do that, we find that Jesus is everything. And let me tell you, with everything in me, I believe that Jesus is the Sar Shalom. He is the one in charge of peace. Second thing, if you're jotting these things down, Jesus is also the peace who saves you. And some of you need saving. 
He is the peace who brings salvation. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God not because we did something. Not because you woke up early and, and sat quietly and meditated. Not even because you woke up early and went and spent time with the Lord. Or, or you spent time praying or, or you read the scriptures or you came to church or you volunteered for the foster care party. We have peace with God, not because we're trying to do on our own good works, but we have peace with the God through the Sar Shalom, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need this because we are guilty. The, the only reason that we can talk about the Sar Shalom is because you and I are guilty, guilty as charged. Turn to someone and say, you're guilty. Only once. Don't say it over and over. They're not that guilty. Just once. You're guilty. Guilty as charged. Guilty. And so we wonder why is there an absence of peace? Because we often stray. Remember the song? We are prone to wander, Lord, I leave thee. We are prone to wander from the Sar Shalom, even if it's a step or two. And we're guilty. My own thinking, my own actions, my own decisions, the way I want to live my life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because we're outside of the only one who can bring real spiritual peace. It's why Christmas is so important. It's why these names of Jesus are life-changing. You may have heard this verse, For God so loved the world that He sent His Son Jesus. Sound familiar? born of a virgin, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is that so important? Because we, with an earthly father, we inherit sin. You were all born into this world. Henry is about to be born, January 30th, hopefully not before. Henry will be born with a sinful heart. Why is it important that Jesus was born of a virgin conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit? Because you and I, we're bent towards sin. We're sinners by birth. You never have to sit a kid down and go, okay, guess what? Today is Monday. Today, we're talking about sin. We're going to practice. Ready? Ready? Be selfish. Hit your brother. <laughs> I didn't have to teach any of my boys that. Sheridan boys, you guys learned that from someone? But Jesus was born of a virgin. He didn't have the sin nature in order that he could perfect the sacrifice of our sin. So that he could be the innocent lamb, that he could be the sacrifice once and for all. 
so that he could be raised again and that you and I, even in our sin, even in your sin this morning or your sin immediately following the service or your sin right now, you can be under the lordship of the Sar Shalom and experience his peace when worldly speaking, you should never have that peace. It's not our peace, it's his peace. We can't earn our right to have it. We can't work our way to have it. It's only because we are under what Jesus did for us and it's because of that and that alone. Some of you are wondering why you don't have that peace and you're trying to be a good person. You're, you're wondering uh, when it's gonna be enough. You're, you're trying not to be a bad person and you're thinking, am I not being bad enough? How am I supposed to do this? Why, why am I still bent towards these bad things like microphones? You're asking, well, what do I do? And my answer to that is you just simply take a step. be a small step, but simply just take a step. Be, begin to investigate what does it mean to guard my heart and my mind from criticism to anger to lust to spending to just fill in the blank. take a step, I believe, Jesus, that you're enough. And here's what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you, every one of you, myself included, and every one of you watching online, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself is our peace. And outside of that, we have no promises. We have no guarantees. Inside of Him, we have that peace that passes all understanding. We have the peace of the one who's in charge, our King, the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And it's that peace that gives us the right to walk up to this table that none of us have a right to approach. In a sense, it's, it's our form of the holy of holies to go and to recognize something holy that Jesus did. Not just his life and, and death and resurrection from the cross, but to experience peace. To, re to remember it and to reflect on it. And again, we say this so often that not just that we have a seat at the table, we have a seat right next to Jesus. And, and we can very freely explain everything that's going on in our life. We can give him all of our uh, whines, all of our angers, all of our struggles, and he receives those. And then when we step under that Lordship of Jesus, we experience His peace. 
And so that's what we do this Christmas season. If you want, it's a little complicated with uh, tables and such. Um, just do your best. Whatever. Go on the sides, go up the middle, or say excuse me, or whatever. It's all good. We'll figure it out. The kids are going to sing here in a little bit. Alex will tell you a little bit more about that. But as I watch them warm up, is that appropriate? You warm up singing? I watched them warm up, and there was a peace in their eyes. There's a peace in their voice. And so my prayer is that as we continue to worship and you approach this table and you watch these kids, that you experience that peace. So let's continue to worship. <laughs>